Good morning. In today's headlines, the search for the missing tourist submarine near the wreckage of the sunken Titanic continues. Hear what challenges rescuers are facing. Former President Trump is speaking out on classified documents and other matters. Trump gave his first interview since pleading not guilty to tell his side of things. New York District Attorney Elvin Bragg finds himself on the opposite side of the courtroom. The prosecutor has been sued by a conservative organization. Texas becomes the first state to adopt an anti-forced organ harvesting law, leading the fight against the Chinese Communist Party's human rights abuses. And in Rome, the latest Mission Impossible movie, Dead Reckoning Part 1, held its world premiere yesterday. It's the seventh installment in the popular franchise. Good morning. Welcome to NTD. I'm Kevin Hogan. Good morning, everyone. I'm Evelyn Lee. Today's Tuesday, June 20th. Evelyn, I really hope they find those people in that sub. Me too, yeah. I can only imagine what it be, would be like for the family, right? Oh, I know. It's just crazy. Yeah, it must be so tough. And while you're starting your day, we're bringing you an update on the tireless efforts to bring them to safety. Yeah, the sub and five people on board have been missing since Sunday. U.S. and Canadian ships and planes have been searching the area around the wreckage of the sunken Titanic. That's about 370 nautical miles off the coast of southeastern Canada. Rescue teams are working against time. They're also dealing with foggy conditions and waves of three to six feet. The sub has an oxygen supply of around 96 hours. The clock has been ticking since 6 a.m. Sunday morning. The tourist sub lost contact with its support vessel about an hour and 45 minutes after it submerged. And today's Jeremy Sandberg has more on the challenges rescue teams are facing. It is uh, a challenge to conduct a uh, search in that remote area. The U.S. Coast Guard says one pilot and four mission specialists are aboard the missing submersible named Titan. The search area is 900 miles east of Cape Cod in waters up to 13,000 feet deep. C-130 and P-8 aircraft are combing the area and using sonar buoys. It's unclear if the sub is still underwater or has surfaced, unable to communicate. Our uh, aerial assets that are being deployed have the capability to do both visual and radar searches and, and the Canadian's uh, asset had the ability to drop sonar buoys and listen. And so we're using all that information to improve our search capability. British billionaire Hamish Harding is among the passengers, along with experienced French mariner Paul Henry Nargelet. Right now, our focus is getting on as much capability into uh, the area as we can and understanding that uh, full capability of those assets that are being deployed. OceanGate Expeditions, the operator of the submersible, says it is mobilizing all options to focus on rescue efforts. But experts say search teams face steep challenges. Uh, very undulating. Titanic herself lies uh, in, in a trench. There's lots of debris around. Uh, so trying to differentiate with sonar in particular uh, and trying to target the area you want to search in uh, with another submersible is going to be very difficult indeed. Submersibles typically have a drop weight, a mass that can be released in case of emergency to bring it to the surface. It's possible the craft is bobbing on the surface waiting to be found. Other, less optimistic scenarios are also possible. Uh, there could have been uh, an accident. It could have become, become entangled in the wreckage of, of Titanic. Uh, it could indeed uh, have had a catastrophic failure. A marine engineering expert from University College London says there could have been a leak in the pressure hull and that if it's gone beyond the continental shelf, very few vessels can get that deep 
and would have great difficulty attaching to the craft's hatch. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News. Looking now at some severe weather in the U.S., multiple tornadoes swept through parts of Mississippi overnight. Officials say one person was killed and nearly two dozen injured. And other parts of the country, including Florida, Louisiana and Alabama, are also experiencing heavy storms. NTD's Jeremy Sandberg has more on the aftermath in Mississippi and what's next in the forecast. State emergency workers in Mississippi are still working to assess the damage from storms in different counties. High temperatures and hail in some areas were accompanied by tornadoes. Officials in eastern Mississippi's Jasper County reported one death and multiple injuries. Moss Point was also affected. A possible tornado downed trees and power lines. The small rural town of Lewin bore the brunt of the damage. A tornado ripped through the area on Sunday. Footage shows debris covering the ground, decimated homes and mangled trees. Mississippi Emergency Management says close to 50,000 homes in central Mississippi were without power after the storm. In Florida, a tornado passed over Miramar Beach on Monday. No injuries or serious damage were reported. Tornado and flood warnings were issued after severe thunderstorms hit the area. In the central Atlantic Ocean, tropical storm bread is brewing. Forecasters say it has the potential to become a Category 1 hurricane over the next few days. It poses a risk to the Eastern Caribbean by Thursday, followed by the Dominican Republic and Haiti during the upcoming weekend. The National Hurricane Center warns of heavy rainfall, potential flooding, and the threat of dangerous storm surges and waves. But it says that could change, noting it has a low confidence prediction. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News. Turning now to politics, former President Trump gave his first interview since pleading not guilty in the classified documents case. In the interview on Fox News, Trump defended his actions. Here's the story. Election interference. Former President Trump appeared in an exclusive interview with Fox News' Brett Bayer that aired in part on Monday night. The Fox News anchor pressed Trump on why he didn't hand over classified documents to the National Archives and Records Administration. Why not just hand them over then? Because I had boxes. I want to go through the boxes and get all my personal things out. I don't want to hand that over to Nara yet. And I was very busy, as you've sort of seen. Yeah, but I've according very, to the indictment, busy. you then tell this aide to move to other locations after telling your lawyers to say you'd fully complied with the subpoena when you hadn't. But before I send boxes over, I have to take all of my things out. These boxes were interspersed with all sorts of things. During the interview, Trump repeated the argument that he believes he has every right to those boxes under the Presidential Records Act. The former president pleaded not guilty to 37 felony charges last week over his alleged mishandling of classified documents. Bayer offered his reactions to the interview. He is very defiant, as you can kind of tell. He is very, uh, maybe he wasn't supposed to talk about all that he talked about, but we went down into the weeds about this indictment, and I followed up, continued following up uh, some of the things that are in there, and he talked about them. Um, he does not fear going to jail. The interview also covered various other topics, including the 2024 Republican primary, the Biden administration, and foreign policy involving China, Taiwan, Russia, and Ukraine. Part two of the interview will air on Tuesday. The federal indictment against Trump includes a partial transcript of an audio recording of Trump at a meeting in 2021. In it, he refers to a document as secret and classified. Trump says the papers he was holding at the time were newspaper and magazine clippings about Iran and other things. He clarified in the interview that he meant after his presidency he would not have the authority to declassify the source material those clippings referred to. 
And continuing with Trump, Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg has been sued by a conservative organization. It wants prosecution records relating to the cases against the former president. Entity's Daniel Monahan has the details of the legal action. The Heritage Foundation think tank filed two Freedom of Information lawsuits against Bragg. The suits allege that he and his office coordinated with Democrat Congressman Daniel Goldman, the White House and the Department of Justice in the prosecution targeting Trump, and say there are concerns about such activities perverting the course of justice. They are asking a court to release requested documents to the public under the New York Freedom of Information Law and declare that Bragg hand over the documents. Heritage Oversight Project Director Mike Howell spoke on Fox News. This is a complete fraud. This is the weaponization of our government that continues unabated. We have to do something about it. Howell says the fact that a lawsuit must be filed against Bragg, who says he can't produce these records and says he doesn't have the systems to do so, testifies to the dual standard of justice at play. Because the American people deserve to know what political forces came to bear on this prosecution. The lawsuit further alleges that Bragg hasn't responded to requests for communication between Bragg or his office and other parties. D.A. Bragg's office has not responded to requests for comment on the lawsuits. In related news, a Florida judge on Monday ordered Trump defense lawyers not to release evidence in the classified documents case to the media or the public. Judge Bruce Reinhardt's order also put strict conditions on Trump's access to the materials. Daniel Monahan, NTD News. Around 100 threatening letters with a mysterious white powder in them has prompted investigations from state and federal agencies. The letters were sent to Trump, Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas, and several Kansas state lawmakers. The U.S. Postal Inspection Service intercepted most of the letters. Republican State Representative Tori Mary Blue shared photos of the letters and the response from law enforcement. They show crews in protective gear, an ambulance, a fire truck, and other emergency vehicles. Blue says the response also included a hazmat team, a bomb squad, and the FBI, among other agencies. Part of the letter said it's important not to choke on your ambition. Preliminary tests on small sample of the letters determined the white substance to be harmless. It's not yet been discovered who's sending the letters on their motive, or their motive, I shall say. Investigations are underway, though. The Secret Service and FBI are monitoring the situation. We'll keep you updated on any developments. Texas is leading the fight against what many are calling a crime against humanity. On Sunday, the governor signed the first anti-forced organ harvesting law in the U.S. And today spoke to one lawmaker who paved the way for the bill's passage into law. Texas will not, will not tolerate this barbaric practice. Texas is now home to the first anti-forced organ harvesting law in the U.S. Governor Greg Abbott on Sunday signed Senate Bill 1040, sponsored by State Senator Lois Kolkhorst. It's accompanied by an identical House bill, sponsored by Representative Tom Oliverson. Uh, Republicans and Democrats standing together from across Texas saying this is wrong. The law will ban health insurance plans from covering organ transplants in which the organs come from countries that allow forced organ harvesting, especially China. Oliverson hopes they can end transplant tourism in China by cutting off the money supply from health insurance companies. Hospitals in China that were advertising things like uh, get your heart transplant here, donors standing by. And as a doctor, I knew instantly that you cannot be standing by to donate your heart 
unless you're standing by to surrender your life. Investigations by human rights groups show that the Chinese Communist Party, or CCP, has been forcefully taking organs from prisoners of conscience, including people of faith such as house Christians and Uyghur Muslims. The main targets of forced organ harvesting practice Falun Gong, also known as Falun Dafa. It's a faith group with tens of millions of practitioners that's faced relentless persecution in China since 1999. They're no longer a person, they're just a commodity. They're just a, they're just a way for the government to make money, to monetize. You can't go over to China and make this stop right now, but I can make sure that Texans aren't able to participate in this evil, detestable practice. Oliverson says the law will start a national conversation for the U.S. to take a strong stance against the CCP's human rights abuses. Reporting by Chi Huin, NTD News. Still to come, nine suspects were in court to face charges in the case of the Mediterranean fishing boat that sank last week, killing at least 78. And how can you stay on track when working from home? We speak to an expert to get some tips after the break. Welcome back. Nine suspects faced a prosecutor yesterday on human trafficking charges over a fatal Mediterranean Sea shipwreck. At least 78 people drowned in the disaster when the fishing boat capsized and sank on June 14th near Greece. Lawyers for two of the suspects addressed the charges. As with the rest of them, he denies the accusations and he denies any involvement in the actions related to the charges, and he claims he is innocent. In general, from the testimony, it appears there were a lot, some six to seven hundred people on board. There were women and children, but not many. At least that is what we understand from the information. All suspects are Egyptian. They were arrested last week and were among the rescued survivors. Around 100 people were rescued when the fishing boat sank. Witness accounts suggested between 400 and 750 people may have been inside. Search and rescue operations have not recovered any more victims or survivors. And now some short headlines from around the world. Alibaba Group Holdings has announced a new CEO, Eddie Yongming Yu Wu, will take over the reins from Daniel Zhang. It's the company's biggest executive reshuffle since its restructuring. Zhang will shift to fully focus on the Cloud Intelligence Group. Zhang has worn two hats since December. That is group CEO and chairman, as well as the head of the Chinese tech giant's cloud unit. The headquarters of the Paris 2024 Olympic Organizing Committee was surged by police today. Paris 2024 said in a statement that it is fully cooperating with the investigators to facilitate their inquiries and did not give any further details. Finland has a new prime minister. The parliament elected conservative Petteri Orpo. He will head a four-party coalition that plans a significant crackdown on immigration. Orpo also vowed during his campaign to cut spending by 6 billion euros over four years. Former Prime Minister Sanna Marin will move into the opposition. Nearly 100 people have reportedly died in a heat wave in India over the last few days. The country issued a red alert warning last week for extreme heat in some regions. The government says it's investigating the deaths but did not confirm the exact number that died. Officials are expecting a further rise in temperatures in some areas in the coming days. Working from home can come with many distractions. 
how can we stay focused and productive? I spoke with Professor Amy Keeley. She's a professor of business and marketing, as well as the CEO of Hennessy Consulting. How do you really switch off when you're supposed to switch off? It becomes a complex problem, right? We have a label for it called ADD. <laughs> um, people haven't been taught necessarily, or we've lost the ability to really learn how to focus. Um, and I tend to go backwards when I think about progress. Sometimes we always think about we have to change things. Um, but we have to, first of all, remember that our five senses are taking in data points, every millions of data points every second of every day. So it's not just that. It could be that your stomach is grumbling. You're hearing a coworker. Um, text messages are going off while you're doing something. So learning how to be able to focus um, and create out of this pea soup of information that you're getting into your brain, how do you centralize that? And I've been going back and telling people to start to use the Franklin Planner again if it becomes really difficult because the Franklin Planner came out in 1984 because that was at the age when in the workplace we were being bombarded by um, new technology, modern technology that was coming out. We were now going globalized. Employers were becoming more invasive into our personal lives, that work-life balance we were struggling. And it's not necessarily that there's this distraction that's key, but it's our memory. Like, how do we know where to go once we've been distracted? How do we get back on track with what we're doing? Do managers actually also have certain responsibilities in helping their team members with that um, not overworking or you know just that balance in life? How can they help? Um, I think they can help by, especially when you're working remote, you have to be very clear. Um, sending emails that recap what you've said over the phone. Sometimes our auditory system is not that great and people don't take great notes. I know that my students in my class, I struggle with watching them learn how to take notes. Um, I'll get like maybe a couple of lines versus what should be pages. So always sending out like a refresh or just to recap the meeting or giving them notes to be able to keep everybody on track so that it's very clear what the outcomes are. And even if you have a list, assigning that list to certain people so that you have good processes that people know how to be able to fall back on so that they know what to do every day. And that's what really a business process is. It's the job description for your company. Mm, so let's wrap up quickly. Can you share some do's and don'ts uh, from your side when it comes to working at home? Um, do's, I would definitely make you know a space for yourself. That's an office space. Um, making sure that it has a door or something that can keep kids and animals out, you know, setting real boundaries with your family um, to make sure that they know that this is your space for working. And then also, you know, having that time where you are setting lists for yourself of things that you have to do every day so that you don't become distracted by what's in your house or listening to the lawnmower next door going off, um, making sure that you're at least every day you've made that list of what you have to do for work and that you're checking things off the list as you get them done. Very good points. Thank you so much, Professor Amy Keeley. I appreciate your time today. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. Millions of Americans are missing out on credit card benefits. Around 65 million haven't redeemed their rewards, and around 60 million don't even have a credit card. Which can be understandable, though, because there are pitfalls. That's a good point. And NTD's Faye Quarter talks with two credit card warriors to take a look at credit card benefits. Tens of millions of Americans are missing out on credit card benefits. Designer Jasmina Zhang used to be one of them. 
At the beginning, I also didn't know what credit cards could be used for, but I later learned that there's so many perks that they can offer. So sometimes you can get cash back from a variety of different credit cards, and then other credit cards do offer points. So with these points, you could do things like get free hotels or even flight tickets. Jasmina had been using credit cards since she was 15. But it was only after getting married that she realized she could save tons of money on vacations. She later started her own YouTube channel, Venture with Jazzy, where she talks about credit cards and gives financial advice. In one of her most viewed videos, she visited the Capital One Lounge at Dallas-Fort Worth International Airport. You show them the credit card that you own and also your flight ticket, and then you're free to explore the lounge. There was really no line to get the shower, and then you can experience things like getting massage in this massage chair, and then there was just, you could eat as much food as you want, which was really nice. Fellow YouTuber Ben Hedges was also once unaware of credit card benefits. For him, it all started when he tried to rent an apartment in New York City. Because I had no credit score, the landlord wanted six months rent up front. And I found the same thing with a cell phone. I had to put down a $400 deposit. The electricity company wanted a deposit, etc. So I started looking into building my credit score. He started researching, and he found that there's an entire hobby centered around collecting credit card points and then spending those points on luxury travel. That became my hobby, and now I've had over, uh, over $38,000 worth of free travel uh, from credit card points for me and my family. Uh, I literally went on a six-week trip where I stayed in a five-star hotel every night, and all of it was funded by uh, credit card points and free nights from hotel cards and stuff. Ben now runs his own YouTube channel where he talks about credit cards and personal finance. Some advice from personal finance experts, always pay your credit card bills on time. This helps build your credit score. When your credit score is high enough, you can apply for platinum credit cards, such as the Chase Sapphire Reserve or the Capital One Venture X. These cards offer fancy benefits. Bay Quarter, NTD News. Now that is pretty incredible. $38,000 of the free travel. And six weeks of free five-star hotel stays? Without a doubt, but of course, we have to keep in mind that credit cards do have a dark side, and it's easy to get into credit card debt, because a large number of people who get these cards won't pay on time, or they will just pay too little. Yeah, and the companies literally make billions because of this, and you, know, you have to pay interest, and when you don't, or don't pay enough, and so everyone watching this, be sure to always pay on time and pay the full balance. If you have a hard time doing that, see if your bank has an auto-pay feature. That's right, and coming up, a unique technology in Greece helps people with mobility issues enjoy the beach like never before, and it will soon be coming to the U.S. That's after the break. Good to have you back. A unique technology in Greece helps people with mobility issues enjoy the beach like never before, and developers will soon bring the technology to the U.S. Entity's Chi Win has more on the story. Beachgoers using wheelchairs in North America might soon be able to enter the ocean unassisted using a device called SeaTrack. Greece-based company Tobia created SeaTrack in 2012. It offers free sea access to people with mobility issues. And as of now, they have over 200 uh, throughout Greece, Cyprus, uh, Italy, and actually Latvia. Owner of Tobia, Wes Brian Bergman, is bringing this technology to the Western Hemisphere and the Far East. SeaTrack includes a walkway, a solar-powered sliding chair, 
in a remote-controlled single track going into the sea. Freedom and dignity. That's how you would basically summarize the entire concept and how it works. He says SeaTrack is about creating an experience by also offering a changing room, showers, and a beach umbrella. Just like you going to the beach, you can do anything you want. Just getting it into the water and coming back out, it's nice, but that's not the goal. The goal is to make them feel the same as everybody else. For outside Europe, the company made a portable second generation called the SeaTrack Mover Experience, which can be moved upon tide changes. It can be taken apart or put together in just 15 minutes. The whole device can then be remotely operated and put inside changing rooms where it's locked away for the day. And then the next day, you take it out, set it up, ready to go again. Bergman says he's only a couple of weeks away from getting the first contract to install a C-Track Mover experience in the U.S. Reporting by Chi Huin, NTD News. You know, Evelyn, that is really great that now everyone can experience nature. Yeah, finally, somebody came up with a solution for that. Yes. And we're going to take you over to Rome, where the latest Mission Impossible movie, Dead Reckoning Part 1, had its world premiere yesterday. The seventh movie in the popular franchise sees Tom Cruise in a wild car chase through the city's cobbled streets while handcuffed to his co-star, Haley Atwell. The film will also premiere in London on Thursday. This is the seventh installment of the Mission Impossible franchise starring Tom Cruise with another one to follow. This movie, it is an epic adventure. It's bigger than all the films. It has vivid characterizations. It has glorious, luxurious locations. Uh, yeah, and practical action. And the stuff that we've accomplished with that, the whole crew has never been seen before on screen. We even built our own train to destroy it. The film's release was delayed because of the COVID-19 pandemic. Mission Impossible 7 was originally scheduled to debut in movie theaters last September. Looks, like a, looks like a thrill, huh? Yes, definitely action-packed movie. But what do you expect? It's Tom Cruise. Yeah, that's true. A lot of good movies coming out these days. I think I will have to look out for that one especially. Uh, Are you going to watch it? Well, you know, we'll see. It's, uh, it's definitely like Probably. a top box yeah. office one. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> All right. That's all for today's program. We'd love to hear from you at goodmorning at ntd.com. Shoot us an email if you'd like. Thanks for watching. I'm Evelyn Lee. And I'm Kevin Hogan.